this pleases me. Oh, yeah. This pleases me. This. Smart Home Technology. Technology. Alexa, please turn the heating up. I'm very cold. After that, please play. Digger Digger. Oh no, 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 no. I do not want this. Alexa, stop. Smart Homes. Stupid people. Smart Homes. Smart Homes, stupid people. Smart Homes, stupid people. Smart Homes. Stupid people. Smart Homes. Smart Homes, stupid people. Das war einer der Marke Feucht. Ja, hi everyone, this is uh, Madeline <laughs> Ziege from Smart Home Stupid People and Eris Felmuth, who you can't see at the moment because he's still kind of, you know, working behind the scenes and uh, fixing some technical issues that we have. But no worries, he knows what he's doing because he's a senior technician of that uh, whole, um, yeah, of that whole pot and videocast here, which is about the question, could it be that the more accommodating our environment is, that the more we lose actually the ability to take care of ourselves. This is what we every Wednesday and every Sunday try to... Yeah, figure out. Um, I'm actually a biologist, so I'm the more biological part of that whole show and try to contribute whatever I think is working from point of view of nature and how, yeah, technical approaches and nature actually can come together. So that's what we try to do here. And uh, it looks like there's still some issues, so I just keep talking. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, who uh, all of those, uh, all of you who saw the last episode where we both were a little sick, maybe just as a update. So at least I kind of I felt better, but now I kind of felt back because I was too quick back into work. <laughs> I didn't took it, didn't take it too serious enough, and because there were a lot of things going on, I pressured myself too much, not knowing and or really forgetting what is really about in life to yeah take good care of yourself and of your body nothing is so um, is so important than your health and so i kind of forgot that on the way and now i have you know universe was stopping me again and said no melon not like that you have to take care of yourself <laughs> you have to eat proper and you sleep proper and just relax and everything else is not so important and I agree. So sometimes it takes a couple of rounds, you know, for me to understand what what it is that I have to do. And yeah, so from Eris' point of view, I think he also does uh, better. He feels better. He was outside today with a friend and enjoying the sunshine. Now it's like late September and it was beautiful today. I kind of... I, I I hung up, I would say that, in the hammock. <laughs> I relaxed on the hammock and just, you know, going back actually to something that I was missing on the way. I learned Zen meditation many, many years ago in a uh, German uh, yeah meditation center. I really liked it. I tried to keep consistent with meditation every day, but the last couple of weeks and month were really busy for me. So I, you know, skipped it in the morning and then later on I skipped it in the evening. And so today I just realized how, how good that actually is for me. And so I went back into it 
realizing that I have to stop more often in my everyday life. So yeah, that's another another um, pleasure of being sick, having <laughs> time to just sit and do nothing or meditating. <laughs> there we go. So hello, everybody. I am here now. Um, I had an issue with the Podbean live broadcast. It is now working. So for all of you guys out there mm. on Podbean, you should be able to hear us very well, as well as all of you folks listening to us via Rockfin, Rumble, Twitch, DLive, and Telegram within the Telegram app. You can listen to the live stream or watch the live video feed. And then we have a channel where you can post questions to us that we will then read off on the show and um, include in the show. And same goes for any of you guys out there. I'm actually monitoring the Rockfin and Rumble um, chats over here on the left-hand side mm. on this little computer that we have in front of us at all times. Therefore, if any of you guys feel that you don't want to post a question because you know that it's not integrated, today it is. So please feel free to post questions. Yes, and actually, so all these little things <laughs> that we're still turning on right now was... Uh, it was a good. It was a good day. It was a good week, actually. I must say, as Maddie was saying, and as you guys have seen with the last episode, um, we we fell a little bit ill, but uh, quick recovery, at least. On uh, I think with Maddie, it's hanging in there a little bit longer than mm -hmm. I got. I got sick after her, and I'm better before her right now. So, and as she mentioned, <laughs> uh, a part of that has to do with the fact are you that you supermen. No, it's yes, because you are. you are beginning to burn yourself out again. Yeah. And that's what you were just alluding to is that, uh, yeah. you know, you start feeling a little bit better. And the first thing you start to do is, you know, run full sprint. Yeah. I also had a session with a very good friend of mine. She is uh, um, like a natural path also, you know, really doing a lot with, with crystals. And so we had a session that really helped me. And she said, you know, Madeline, maybe it's time <coughs> in your life to really fail. <laughs> You know, this is not something that you experience in your life so far, but sometimes this is what we should do. Just realize that the world is still spinning, although we fail. And the big failure for me would be not to meeting my deadlines. And uh, obviously now I'm in the position where it's clear for me that I'm not able to meet the deadline um, that I had ahead of me. And to be comfortable with this and to really be okay with, um, yeah, you know, the situation, accepting what is, I think that that's something that I more over and over again have to realize that you have to accept what is the longer you resist, the more that situation will build up and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. <laughs> so the once universe you, will stop you if you don't. Yeah, absolutely. And so I actually feel, uh, feel better after also that session with her kind of unleashed a little bit more, you know, my internal powers, <laughs> my energies that kind of got stuck. Uh, from whatever got stuck there and so also realizing that you know I was kind of I probably have to take take down my my um designing with the Ziege part and video cast show because I already missed one episode which I feel bad about it but this is also some something you know realizing that it doesn't matter what other people think about you and you know you yourself well let's put it that way she told me man I think with you it's not an issue of um of not being disciplined enough. Actually, maybe with you, it's the opposite. You should let loose a little more sometimes because you are too, uh, too, how you say that? Um, yeah, too disciplined and actually- yeah, you're, too, you're too involved sometimes and you don't know how yeah. to take your head out for fresh air. Yeah, that's right? exactly like that. And also feeling responsible all times for all these things on my plate. And yeah, interesting. So definitely learning lesson here for me. 
There we go. <laughs> so, a um, couple things that I want to talk about before we dive in today. <coughs> All good? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I Here, saw like an animal on the sofa. I don't know what was that. It's like looks like looks like an uh, insect. Yeah. My biological interests were activated right, right away. Here, have some water. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Here, actually, I got to do this, and look at that. See, I'm sitting a little bit too low, so I got to fix that real quick. These are all the things we do pre-show, but we're doing today a little bit in post. We decided to keep the lights off again today because it was just a little bit distracting. We're decided, bats. We're bats today. In the cave. We decided to keep it a little dark. <laughs> so for you guys watching the live video stream right now, um, it's not going to be the same sharp quality that uh, you know of as uh, our normal production. We're going to just let it sit a little dark and that means the ISO is going to work by itself and uh, go to a higher setting and that'll be the end of it. So... Um, as I precursored last time, we today wanted to talk about, we actually went through this show last Wednesday, and I, I think it's a better Sunday night show anyway, hmm. self-propagating systems. Mm -hmm. So I, I mentioned that self-propagating systems, um, it's, it's a cool idea that I came across, and Madeline had never heard of it. Um, probably rightfully so, because I strongly doubt that in the university they'll be studying the work of Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> <laughs> right? But it's a great idea. And so, um, as I mentioned, Ted Kaczynski was a mathematician, um, also known as the Unabomber. And uh, what had happened, I'll just kind of summarize him a very tiny little summary, because I know that you don't know much about him as well. Mm. And it's not a, he's not a character that a lot of people like to put his name out and uh, talk positive things about. But I definitely think that it should be made note, you know, what he was talking about and why. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, uh, he ended up um, killing three people and injuring about 25 or something like that. I can't mm -hmm. remember. Um, he specifically, what had happened was, is that um, he got, he got so after he did his doctoral thesis, he became a professor. And I can't remember, but I believe it was at Berkeley University hmm. um, in uh, mathematics. And uh, he burned out from what I understand as well. And then moved to a cabin that he had built with his brother up in Montana. Okay. And so this was a cabin that was built completely off grid and completely um, without the, the, the hookup of fresh water. Like everything he had to do was, you know, you go down to the, to the river with the buckets mm -hmm. and bring it up and you distill it and then all that stuff. So he was trying to live as complete off grid as he mm -hmm. can. And um, the big issue that he had is that while he was trying to do that, big industry kept moving in and, and encroaching upon his land because they had bought the land as a mm. little cabin. Um, and it was getting to the point where, you know, he went out to this area to be isolated in nature. And it was every, every, uh, with every passing month, it was getting worse. Okay. Airplanes flying overhead, mm -hmm. um, people coming down, sawing all the trees, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it was, uh, for him, it was a very destructive thing. Now, <coughs> for those of you who want to learn a little bit about Ted Kaczynski, I would suggest you don't go and watch any of the main documentaries or films, feature films that have been, you know, made about him very recently. There has been a film called Ted K came out uh, featuring Charlotte Copley, one of my favorite actors. And I watched most of the movie. Mm. And it's like the movie went out of its way to never ever once mention the fact that um, he was a professor at a university and uh, had a PhD in mathematics. Mm -hmm. and, and I found that to be actually quite 
It's one of those things, right? Yeah, like, well, probably not, not the best advertisement for that university that one of their graduates became well, a... <laughs> exactly. It makes you wonder why... Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a really good point. I didn't think about it that way. I, I was thinking of it more in the sense that they tried to make him look more like a Freddy Krueger. Well, uh, you know, just some hillbilly out in the wood who uh, read one too many books. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. but I think you're also correct on that level is that uh, they probably didn't want to tarnish the good name of whatever university he had served for mm. or served at and um, had come from. Mm. So um, if you want to learn a thing or two about him and hear what he has to say, go out and buy his book and hear it from his mouth. After that, go and watch some of those movies. And then you'll see for yourself whether it fits or it doesn't. And you'll, mm -hmm. you know, you'll you'll pick you'll pick it apart very quickly after that. So with um self-propagating systems, it's a part of uh here, I'll bring it out. I got it right here. <laughs> I know. Prepared I, something. Yeah, well, we didn't prepare much. I, you know what? That's a big yeah, thing about this uh TV show. You got it? Yeah. Now, what are you writing there? I don't know. All right. I so, made a Christmas tree. <laughs> that's very nice. <laughs> very festive. Uh, uh, this is a, this um, video cast production is completely unrehearsed, as you guys can see. We don't tend to have a lot of stuff prepared. Well, and we don't need to. We don't need to, first off. And I think it, go, it, it has to do with the way that we want this program <clears throat> to come out. We want it to be um, as in the moment, as sporadic, and have its own life. Each episode really has its own life. And... Uh, it's because of the fact that we don't rehearse. We pick a topic that we like. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're just sitting around and talking and something comes up and I say, you know what, we can probably yeah. go into that. Let's let's do that. And this is one where I actually ended up um, telling Maddie about this years ago. And um, <clears throat> and and we never really dove into it any, any, any much further. And so today we're going to, hmm. right? So this is the book. The book is called The Anti-Tech Revolution, How and Why. Now, um... It's interesting because it comes off as a very black and white book. And what I mean by black and white is, is that it's one of these books that's obviously not really talking about this big gray zone. It's either you do this or you don't, right? It's it's kind of got that a bit of a religious flair to it, like mm. either you're part of the group or you're out of the group. Um, but I say once you dive into it, so much of this book is everything but that, right? I think that the, I think that the title... <laughs> is very misleading for mm -hmm. that reason, right? Mm -hmm. I think that they could have come up with a better title, but at the same time, it does make sense because the last chapter of the book is is really all about his his idea of starting a revolution in order to um, kick re-kickstart civilization in a mm -hmm. positive way. Mm -hmm. I would I would say that that's kind of his, his that's more of his intention with it. Okay. And um, here we go. Uh, in chapter two. It talks about self-propagating systems, and I have um, one one thing I must say as well is Ted Kaczynski doesn't have the best uh, habit in explaining something in one or two sentences. <laughs> well, <laughs> he tends to his ideas are very very big, and they tend to take up a lot of real estate. Uh, so I ended up finding <laughs> it's actually not too big that book though. No, the book's not too big, but I think mm. that uh, you know I ended up finding on a. a um, what is this called? It's called Wiki Alpha. I had never even heard of this. And mm. uh, so it's a type of Wikipedia, but I guess a competitive one at that. And um, I ended up finding a pretty good little definition of smart of, uh, of the self-propagating system here. Sorry, our picture over there is hiding it. So I'm going to just get out of the way. I think this will do that. There we go. So self-propagating system. In short, I have to move my microphone is a system that tends to promote its own survival and propagation. 
Mm-hmm. It's kind of self-explanatory. A system may propagate itself in either or both of two ways. The system may indefinitely increase in its own size and or power, or it may give rise to a new system that possesses some of its own attributes, mm-hmm. right? There can also be self-propagating subsystems. So he calls them self-prop for short. So sub, uh, self-prop subsystems mm-hmm. that exist within self-propagating systems. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, I, I, I don't want to go into any more detail really um, from that uh, wiki alpha, because <coughs> that's actually a really good summary of the whole thing, which I didn't find too, I don't know, I don't know, maybe it is, <laughs> maybe it's somewhere here, but I didn't see it. Two I, sentence for yeah, the Yeah, it tends though. to be more like three paragraphs, but that's okay. a nice little summary of it. Yeah, okay, makes um, sense. There we go. And uh, so what he has here is he has, uh, I don't know, like a dozen or so what he calls propositions to explain this theory of his self-propagating system. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go through a couple of these propositions and I'm going to see, we're going to see and find out what an expert world-class biologist (laughs) has to say about this. Right. Don't laugh at that. (laughs) (laughs) What? I didn't laugh at that part. (laughs) Yeah, right. eh? (laughs) Yeah. You could toot your own horn once in a while. It's okay. Ah, okay. You know, people do it all the time and they have much more bullshit to sell than us. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Good. So, yes, so I already have some ideas. You have some ideas. Well, uh, you know what? Let's just jump into it in the sense that um, what what is that what does that kind of tell you um, right off the get-go? What, a, what What's your general feeling of uh, what a self-propagating system is? Yeah, well, the first... Should be in his point of view. Yeah, well, the first thing that I uh, had in mind was a cell. Exactly what a self-propagating system is. Uh, a cell as a, like, one system um, that tends to promote its own survival and propagation. It can either, you know, like, what was it say? Um, into ways it might indefinitely increase its own size. So cells can grow, but not indefinitely, obviously. Um, but they can also give rise to new systems. They can just like copy themselves, right? So, and then they can be like a subsystem within the cell when you have the the more advanced um, eukaryotic cells. There you have You have to other... explain things like that. Oh, uh, okay. Do you have the water <clears throat> by you? Uh, yes. You stole it. There you go. I didn't, you, you just gave it to me. I well, didn't steal anything. You lent it. I lent, you lent it. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah. So you have the... The very kind of... Uh, so eukaryote and prokaryote is what you want to explain. Yeah, okay. yeah. So the prokaryotes, which are the bacteria, for example, are very simple built um, cell systems where you have like the um, the the information in it, but not like in a, in a cell uh, nucleus, but more just like floating around. So everything is more mm-hmm. like... I would always like to refer to a one-room apartment with no shelves and no room <laughs> partitioners. Everything is just like a, a single apartment from a man. Everything is just on the floor, and, and you know. Is that is that what your opinion of that's men how are? I wrote it in in my book? <laughs> wow! <laughs> <laughs> now you learned something about me. And the other system is the eukaryotic cell, which are everything like the plants and the animals and fungi are made of. So that one is a little bit more advanced with compartments and it has mitochondria in it, which would be one of these subsystems, for example. So um, the, the mitochondria, mitochondria would be a subsystem? Yeah, I would say because it's part of that system. It's part of the cell, but it's kind of also like a self-propagating system in itself, right? right? It has its right. own um, its own tasks, its own way to work, and yeah. When I was thinking about subsystems, um, I was thinking about the little fish that swim around the whale. 
Mm. The whale is uh, is its own self-propagating system. Yes. It wants to survive, wants to live as an organism, as, a, as an entity, as a, as a big machine. Yeah. And uh, you have all these little fishies that uh, swim and live around the whale. Yeah, around, but not in it. No, I said around. Okay. And uh, I think I said it anyway, I meant it. And um, uh, the whale has all this algae and plankton growing up. Plankton, mm -hmm. anyway, has all this stuff on him. And mm -hmm. the little fishies, they 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 nip at the whale, keeping him clean all day. Mm -hmm. And uh, they stay hungry, uh, you know, not hungry and fed mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. a bit secure because they're close to a big thing like that. Mm -hmm. You know, no shark is going to come too close to the whale to try <laughs> and get all, all those little snacks. Mm -hmm. um, and so, therefore, it's it's a symbiotic relationship. But at the same time, the 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 well being of the the little fishies that mm -hmm. live below and around the mm -hmm. whale are definitely a subsystem of the whale. If the, if the whale were to go, mm. they will go. If they go, mm. the whale doesn't necessarily go. I mean, he might end up with a skin rash or something, but, uh, yeah. you know. I, I'm actually not even sure if the when the whale goes that these little fishes are gone because they'll just find something else. Well, they'll else. find so, something Yeah, else. so that's how, how I wouldn't really see it that way. It would more, you know, like we humans, we have bacteria in our gut. Mm -hmm. I think that's more like a subsystem because mm -hmm. the bacteria can't exist without us in a in mm -hmm. a kind of a free world, <laughs> right? Right. And no, we true. are part of it as well. It is part of us. Okay. Um, so that's how I would see it because, yeah, with the with kind of these mutualistic, uh, so like a you know positive okay. interaction between two different species. I don't know if that's really the way you would well see it. Let's like go that. into it and see if maybe some of the propositions that he puts forth to explain okay, it sure. explains that because I think the first thing we're running into right now is is a self is is a sub uh, a self propagating subsystem completely dependent upon mm -hmm. the super system mm -hmm. or not. And mm -hmm. I think that one of these, honestly, it can go either way. Well, it says it exists within the self-propagating system. So Yeah, so that's the question is if the self-propagating system fails, will it just remarry itself to a new super system or mm -hmm. does it die? I think that's one of those questions that we mm -hmm. can then talk about is that, um, yes, well, the super system is in effect, it's a subsystem of it, but when the super system goes, you know, nature mm. is dynamic. It can just mm. like little fishy find a new whale or uh, you know a, a new place to dwell. Yeah, it depends on what kind of um, what kind of level you want to see it, right? right. So okay, so, so let's uh, bring it on. <laughs> all right, there we go. Let's see how my reading is today. All right. <clears throat> oh no, wrong button. Yeah, there we go. And uh, proposition number one. In any environment that is sufficiently rich, self-propagating systems will arise, and natural selection will lead to be uh, will lead to the evolution of self-propagating systems having increasingly complex, subtle, and sophisticated means of surviving and propagating themselves. So let's just start with just the first mm -hmm. part of the sentence. Mm -hmm. In any environment that is sufficiently rich, self-propagating systems will arise. Mm -hmm. How yep. do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, makes sense. I mean, actually something that I wrote in my book as well, um, the idea of a so-called Darwin, Darwinian demon, mm -hmm. that which is um, a species that is able to reproduce always to has the maximum fitness, so is able to re recreate um, as much as, as possible, as often as possible, mm -hmm. given that um, there are enough resources, obviously, and... But there is no such thing as that kind of Darwinian demon, not as we know of, because if there would be, this species would out-compete um, everyone else. 
because it would just you know procreate and procreate and just like fill fill up all all the the space that's why there well so far we we don't know about uh, a species like that and also um because life is endless as far as we know right and also resources are endless is this is the 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 whole idea of the natural selection that we have limited resources out there and that there's a competition about resources and only the species who are the best adapted to its environment, those who are able to find their resources easily and um, yeah, uh, have access to it, that they actually procreate and they will end up to the next generation. All the others will just So to explain, you fail. look at the word um, a, a rich environment as... Um and it's, and it's rightfully so, yeah. as a resource-rich Yes, resource-rich, yeah. Right? That's how you would see it from a biological point of view. It's all about resources. That's right. I would say so. Um, and next, natural selection will lead the evolution of self-propagating systems having increasingly complex, subtle, and sophisticated means of surviving and propagating themselves. Mm -hmm. You get that? Yeah. So in, in a nutshell, he's saying that um, natural selection, once, the self, once a, a self-propagating system arises, mm -hmm. natural selection then kicks in, mm -hmm. right? Because of the competition mm -hmm. for resources mm -hmm. um, and uh, the evolution of the self-propagating system now becomes more increasingly complicated. Mm -hmm. Ends and 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 um, evolving with subtle and sophisticated means of surviving. That means yeah. that like you start to really start to see niches mm -hmm. build. So mm -hmm. people really find like in a place that's very rich, mm -hmm. you'll have multiple uh, self-propagating systems, for example, mm -hmm. arising, mm -hmm. and each system is going to try and find a part of that ecosystem or that part of that resource that they yeah. best commandeer maybe yeah. with less predation and less problems and so on and so exactly forth. Exactly how you see it in nature as well, right? There's actually that one example, the, the pretty popular with our, again, Darwin, <laughs> the Darwin finches and Galapagos. Exactly the same thing. There are, you know, all these different uh, finch species who have um, kind of found different niches. They, they eat different um, things like some are more fructivores, so they eat fruits. Some eat more like nuts and seeds. Others are more into insects, and so they also um, had actually have different shapes of their beaks in order to to get you know to their food. And so by um, or through having this niche. I don't know the word in English actually called Einnischung in German. So, and niching themselves. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's discovering their niche. <laughs> yeah. Um, from there, they actually really. We don't have a word for that. We explain it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not that I, I know I see. of. Yeah. So that's how they, how these finches were actually able to live amongst each other without too much competition. And so they can just enjoy themselves, <laughs> you know, at the same place, uh, having different food resources and not coming too much into their way. And over the time, they kind of adapted to that kind of way of living. So that's, I would, I would see it too. And also right. the more, the more competition is over resources, obviously 
organisms have to adapt even more. They have to become even more specific or find a way to out-compete the others in order to survive. That's why I think it does, does make sense when he says things become more complicated. You know, they have to maybe change their behavior or, or with the finches um, find a different food source and over time they might even change the 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 anatomy of their Sorry, did you say it did you say it, it does make sense or it doesn't it make does sense? make okay. sense totally yeah 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 i agree too um you know and, and i and also wanted to say that um the more we go in, into this <coughs> the Sorry. more you guys also <laughs> the more that you guys out there are also going to see is the self-propagating system isn't just biology right it, it's it's any kind of system. And this is mm -hmm. why it was very fascinating to me because he's talking about technology. Mm -hmm. But he's also talking about what he believes to be a rule of nature, a, yeah. a, a law of nature or a system mm -hmm. of nature. It sounds very biological. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it, it always will be. And I think that this is something that, uh, that I said when we were being interviewed on uh, Freeman Fly the other week mm -hmm. was that a lot of people, because Freeman said, he said... Um, I, uh, I I can't believe you, you'd think that that you guys would be at odds. Uh, Madeline being a biologist and me being a uh, a building automation technician, mm -hmm. you'd think that and and, and, a lot, and obviously when you hear what I do and how I do it and stuff, first thing he came came across or came across his mind was um, you are there build, assisting in the building of smart cities mm -hmm. and uh, all these things that we would kind of associate with what destroys the nature, natural world and the environment and so mm. on and so forth. And he's not wrong to jump to these conclusions, mm -hmm. right? Um, a very important thing about my industry that I, I kind of have to put out there because a lot of people don't understand the systems. That's, I already put it up. A lot of people don't understand the systems that are in play. And, you know, you go out and buy a new car today and there, there's so much stuff happening inside it. You have no chance of actually being able to address or fix or or um, rectify any of the issues by yourself without without the assistance of of something or someone else. You know, whether it be a computer hookup or whatever. And I see this happening all the time. Good luck uh, trying to fix your your brand new car that's just kind of mm -hmm. like bummed out on the side of the road. You need to have proper uh, roadside assistance and someone with a proper computer computer to hook up to it and read it out, right? Yeah. Unless it's just a little flat or something like that. But mm. it's not like before where you can pop the hood and and, and, and see if it's just a new hose or, or something. Mm. It's not it's not that easy anymore, right? Well, even in biology, you know, the technical part of science and research is, became huge the last couple uh, years. I mean, you know, I'm a very classical trained behavioral biologist sit, just sitting with binoculars somewhere in the field and observing. <laughs> but still, we were using computers uh, with a behavioral program to really detect the behaviors of the rabbits, yeah. right? So we're kind yeah, of just yeah. counting the times they, they were out of their burrows and all that. But even if you take it further, all the population genetic analysis, you have huge amounts of uh, technical stuff involved in that. And mm -hmm. um, even, you know, nowadays, if you want to get funding, you always have to have a, um, a technique involved in your research that has to do with high-end, uh, yeah, t t uh, technical approaches. Yeah, it's like just, the, like the genetics and so on. Yeah, like yeah. the genetics. Yeah, and and it's a and it's a shame because um, the 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 real question I always end up with in my in my mind, you know, and this is kind of to circle back to what I was talking about a second ago, um, is once you've made a discovery, 
that I think that people like Madeline and myself um, were fueled by this will to want to join in with reality, right? Mm -hmm. To want to um, uh, be a part of reality specifically. And it helps us to create almost kind of like a connection to this uh, divine universe by yeah. doing what we do. And then you submit your work and someone takes that information mm. and uses it to create a perverted system that's built on control. And then you see all of these politics that are going on all over the planet that are completely um, anti-human and racist in nature. And they're based off of racism and they're based off of anti-humanism. Mm -hmm. But yet it's like two big things that you can't go out there and really openly study. You can't go out there and study racism uh, from a, the same way that you can with any other species that you would be able to mm -hmm. with people. And uh, you can't go out and just start studying humans with the same bias uh, as well in any ways. So it's it's a very it's a very delicate but at the same time perverted industry in the sense that it seems to be backed by science but not science that's openly allowed to be conducted. It's mm. instead it's using a lot of information collected indirectly and being used as tools in order to fund uh, and propagate a concept that tends to always be more in the direction of limiting human activity, right? Mm -hmm. The reason why people over here where we are can't just go out into the forest and build a log house anymore and live there is because it has been deemed, um, you know, like they, they've zoned things so heavily here over the last couple decades that this is where the humans live and that's where the nature is and this is where the farming is. Mm -hmm. And the nature is always just a tiny little strip between farms nowadays. To the point where nature over here, it, it, it becomes its own ecological disaster. Yeah. Because the the animals can't have no more communication with one another between all the different forests. They don't meet up anywhere. So they have to go across freeways. They have to go across fields and all that. I'm going on a, a bit of a side uh, rant with all this. But the important thing I kind of wanted to put out was that um, it's very... Looking at this, the idea of self-propagating systems, it's very, um, how can I best put it? My mind is trailing a little bit right now. I got so much going on. <laughs> I know. I feel much better now. And it's like, I, I just, I can feel all the things come back uh, to full force right now. Mm. And, I'm, and I'm trying to like keep up with it. I went out for a swim in the lake today and, uh, you know, feel empowered. So, you know, much better now. Um I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll back up a few, a few steps because I can feel myself speed talking and I'm trying not to do that. <laughs> um, as I was talking about before that Maddie and I, we were on Freeman together and um, it looks at, we, at first glance that we should be at odds. But as she mentioned, her industry uh, is becoming more and more technology and mine is becoming more and more biology. And our industries mm. have not been to the industries for a very for a, for quite some time now. Our industries have been the same industry for a long time. The idea of of biology and technology, it's it it as I've, as we have mentioned previously many times before, um, nature is just a, a synonym to reality, right? When you build a, a dwelling, when you when you have a when you when you want to build a home and have the home be comfortable, and you want the technologies in the home to really provide a good mm. quality and standard of life so that you don't have to worry about all these little things as we used to, you know. Uh, it's nice to have things clean and 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 um, 
and under control when when need to be, right? Mm. But then it becomes a big problem when it starts going the other way, where in Madeline's industry, a lot of the research gets perverted. You know, they they take the finding of one study and they completely manipulate it into an into their own results, and they uh, try to push forth lobbying and all these other stuff with it. In my industry, it's it's not any different, right? They they try to take my technology or the the, the industry that I work in, the technology, and <clears throat> call it green and efficient so that they can sell a bunch of crap to, p- to people that don't need it and put a green stamp on it and have tax money pay for mm. it. This is kind of where you're starting to see that in her industry, greenwashing is the same as it is in mine. Yeah. Right? With hers, it's more the the brainwashing aspect of greenwashing. In my industry, it's more um, trying to make a profit, to turn a profit on... Um, having a, an allowance to to have a tax break for something yeah. that really shouldn't exist. Yeah, and I would say the most important thing that I learned uh, when, you know, I learned it when I was out of the university because no one talked about it when I was in it, um, is I was always observing animals and plants and always were, I was always fascinated by the way they behave, the way they react and where does that all come from? And if you see how intelligent, like the, the, the simplest organism already is that, you know, I always ask myself why and where does that come from, that mm. intelligence? What is that? And when you observe these creatures, you just see that, um, or at least for me, I realized that there is a inert energy in them kind of leading them into the right direction and kind of just bring everything together and just uh, such an intelligence that is, you know, controlling all these reactions in, in a cell or in an animal or in a whole ecosystem. And I just had that one point in my life where I realized wait a minute maybe you know uh, we humans are also part of that whole system we have the same energy going through us and if we can tap into it we can connect with all the other living beings around us and I think this is what children can do when they you know are um, just children (laughs) so they just like very naturally tap into that whole being in the moment, playing with 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 everything around them, and just enjoying to be alive, and this this part of life, I think, really, uh, yeah, got lost and lost during my time when I was in, in education because it was not talked about it, and um, it, it, I even felt that the point of education was to take that liveliness away <laughs> some somehow, and that's why I'm right now really trying to get back into it and really take the time to just sit in nature and to just be part of it and be part of the very moment not worrying about anything that can go wrong and that we have to do and all Mm -hmm. that because Mm -hmm. i think over time will just drive you nuts yep i agree so let's go on to the next proposition right so we've explained in the first proposition um, not only the definition of what a self-propagating system is, but um, in an environment that is rich in resources, self-propagating systems will inevitably arise, mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of like more of in the biological world, I guess, but at the same time, not really, right? Okay. Uh, because if we're talking about the same thing, if there is a, a, an untapped market mm-hmm. out there, and mm-hmm. there are people who want to make money. Mm-hmm. Eventually, someone will tap that market, mm-hmm. right? Whether yeah. it be another system that's already large and in place and ready to take it and go, mm-hmm. or if it's a new starter that comes mm-hmm. along and says, I found something that no one else has found. I'm going to take this and run with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing. 
And you see that, that things are constantly dynamic. Things are always in motion and new things are constantly being born. And we live in a, obviously this planet and uh, depending on the country you're in, obviously you will have different opportunities. Mm -hmm. And when you live in a capitalist uh, country like we do in Germany, um, there's just, there's just so much like it, it, it's crazy, crazy how much there is here and mm -hmm. everybody's just such a, a a consumer over here too mm -hmm. and, and so it's always very easy to find something to do to, to some type of service or some type of product <laughs> it's it's not right it this True. system is just like it's just constantly dying for it. it the hard part about this system over here in germany is the taxation and the cost of life uh, and living or expense when we're talking about mm. starting a company that's a that's a different thing but nevertheless it's there's so much demand here it's it's crazy um, so that brings to the next point, um, in the short term. So this is proposition number two. Mm -hmm. Okay. In the short term, natural selections favor self-propagating systems that pursue their own short term advantage with little or no regard for long-term con consequences. Now this is huge. I'll, I'll explain this, uh, okay. <laughs> in, in other words. I know the, the English, his, he, it's, he, I, the way that he writes, I actually really like it, but I could, I'm sure that for a <clears throat> non-native speaker, it can be a bit confusing. Um, what he's talking about is you may have a, uh, let's take an example. If you have two self-propagating systems, mm -hmm. right? Um, one of the examples he actually gives in his book, I'll use. Um, you have uh, a kingdom, mm -hmm. Right. And you have many self-propagating systems in the form of uh, little kingdoms, mm -hmm. right? Uh, or or um, counties or whatever. Ayers. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah, maybe. We'll think of it more of like a country with a couple kingdoms in it, right? Okay. That's a good way of looking at it. Now, one kingdom decides to deforest most of their forestry mm -hmm. to make way for large farms. Mm-hmm. Which does two things for them. One, it allows them to um, have larger population, perhaps, okay. they can, they, because they've decided to focus on feeding as many people as they can. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it gives them a military advantage. One, because of their numbers, mm -hmm. right? And two, because of the amount of stuff and the wealth that's being moved around mm -hmm. and so on and so forth that it will allow them to build up a bigger army. Okay. Um, or, or, you know, they could be deforesting not just for farms, but also for mines. They're mining ores. They're mining resources that they could then turn into tools and so on and so forth. So they're really on that path. They okay. want they want to put all, they want to take all the energy and resources from the immediate environment and put it into um, the, their empire, mm -hmm. right? And that's and that's uh, that's that's the first kingdom. The second kingdom chooses to not do these things. Mm -hmm. Realizes that there's only a, a finite amount of all that stuff, and have chosen to find uh, a more spiritual value in um, in living life, and mm -hmm. they've chosen to, for example. Um, not value things such as as, as swords and, and mm -hmm. shields, and instead they value um, spiritual and religious knowledge and so on and so forth okay. instead. And so they don't deforest mm -hmm. the forest because they realize it's a part of their spiritual history. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem is, is that they are definitely now at a military disadvantage mm -hmm. and at high risk of being overthrown. The mm -hmm. only thing that might save them is if they live in a geographic area, mm -hmm. perhaps with specific mountains that force mount, uh, um um, um, armies to go through narrow channels and so on and so forth, perhaps. Mm -hmm. 
But even still, the history has shown us over and over again that the the system that has decided to not put its interest in its short-term survival, because obviously the one that has decided to take to use all of his resources up to build itself up as strong and as big as possible. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're going to be big and strong as quick as possible, mm-hmm. but they have no longevity mm-hmm. unless they go out and they start seizing mm-hmm. and, and conquering and mm-hmm. all yep. that stuff. And so this is, this is what he's talking about with that. He's saying, yeah, you have the one society, um, kingdom that has decided to live with that in mind mm-hmm. that... Um, they only have so many resources and they're uh, and, and they want to live amongst it and they're not interested in growing bigger. They're not interested in going out and uh, and conquering the neighboring villages. Mm-hmm. But then some of the neighboring kingdoms and villages, they might have completely different interests and with their military advantage at any time they can just take over mm-hmm. that little village and give them that ultimatum of join us and or die. Mm. The same kind of thing that uh, Norway and Denmark had done to Iceland. This is why Iceland converted to Christianity in like 960 or something like that. They they started there as a free nation and then they mm. were told very quickly, nope. Mm. <laughs> so uh, you join or you die. Yeah. Anyway, so um, what do you think about that? From a biological point of view or? Yeah, from a biological point of view, yeah. when you look at it like that, um, obviously when a system is developed to have longevity, so let's take an ecosystem that's really well balanced, mm. right? Um, it's always going to be very subject to catastrophic <clears throat> fallouts mm-hmm. because of its of its balance, Yeah. right? So if things become too comfortable, just like with our show that we mm. often talk about, we if we if our environment becomes too comfortable, then we lose the ability to take care of ourselves. Mm. And that's kind of that that same idea is in that second proposition, I find, because it's showing that if you don't look at your immediate strength and longevity, one or the other will do you in. Mm. You know, if not both. <laughs> I'm just thinking about one um, word that came, you know, that also was part of my book, The Stress. It's mm-hmm. the uh, resilience called. Yep. And something my, my publisher wanted me to change the title of my book into Resilience of Plants and Animals. And I said, no, I'm not going to do this <laughs> because it's not about um, resilience of individuals, but more resilience of an ecosystem. So. Right. It's an ecosystem is basically just a combination of everything that is alive and not alive in in, an, in a habitat, right? So, and that's what I would say also plays in in that topic the resilience of an ecosystem. Um, and it's it's a pro, it's an idea from uh, I think he was a, a ecologist, um, Holling was his name, who came up with the ecological resilience and the technical resilience. And he mm-hmm. said the technical resilience is basically. Oh, let me think if I can put it right away <laughs> into it. I don't have to go into too much detail of it. It's It has to do with, um, yeah, the, the technical resilience is that you have one, uh, one point of balance in an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And when something happens to that ecosystem, then all the amount of time that it takes for that ecosystem to go back to that equilibrium, this is the resilience, you know, how, how much it can actually absorb before it, goes out of balance mm-hmm. and how much time it actually takes to go back to balance after something that disturbed the balance. And um, But this is where you would assume that an ecosystem only has one 
balance. Only one situation is balanced out. Um, and then the other idea is the ecological re uh, resilience, where the idea is, no, it's actually like um, an ecosystem has different points of balances and it can mm -hmm. shift between different points, right? It can shift right. between different equilibrium. And so this is the ecological resilience is basically how long does it take for an ecological, uh, for an ecosystem to absorb some stress factors like heat, for example, or, uh, um, yeah, uh, yeah, what else? Um, uh, flood mm -hmm. until it goes into a different equilibrium. Mm -hmm. And I would say this is this has the same kind of the same idea. The more stable an ecosystem is, the more it cannot absorb before it goes into a different mm -hmm. equilibrium. But still, it doesn't need it doesn't say well, that equilibrium. You know, it, it is still alive. It's just a different. It's just a yeah. different uh, point. And I might just give you an example about that. Um, the Everglades in the U.S. are an example for that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the Everglades are. Um, they have a very unique composition of species of plants and animals. And it's because it was very low in nutri uh, nutrition. That's mm -hmm. how it started everything. So they have uh, sawgrass is part of it and different grass species. And over the time, you know, the, that the area also became more agricultural uh, used. Mm -hmm. So they put in phosphorus and nitrogen. Mm. And so the nutrition level raised. And that's how a new equilibrium actually started to form because it, that, that ecosystem could just absorb as much as it could. Mm. And then sh things were shifting and all of a sudden the, the people living in that area realized, wait a minute, where we used to have a lot of sawgrass now is actually something it called uh, cattail. Okay. Um, it's a different grass. That's, so a species that spontaneously arose or? Well, it, it uh, yeah, it really took over that area and ah. it now really dominates the landscape. And it's it's much much thicker, thicker grass than the sawgrass. So it's also right. has a more ecological implication on other species. You know, mm -hmm. the birds are not able to nest in it anymore because it's so thick and all that. <laughs> and so there's really these two equilibria between low nutrition sawgrass and high nutrition cat tail mm -hmm. and it's between the different areas it really flip-flops between these two different mm -hmm. um uh yeah right states well uh, the big thing that he's talking about in the second preposition is because i think that like um <coughs> like Sorry. an ecosystem <laughs> is one thing but a self-propagating system is something that has uh that that, that has an interest in itself mm -hmm. as a system and you know um the big thing he's talking about here, like if we take about if we take a system, you know, you can take a pack of wolves. You know, mm -hmm. that's a system in and of itself, not mm -hmm. necessarily the ecosystem that mm -hmm. they live in, but the pack of wolves themselves is a system that okay. is interested in self-propagating, right? Yeah. The uh, the family of bears uh, or the tribe or whatever you mm -hmm. want to say, the 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 school of fish and all that. And it, the big thing he's talking about is that um, it's very common that short-term advantages with no regard for long-term consequences means that um, it's a part of nature mm -hmm. that things will suicide themselves in the long run by mm -hmm. by uh, by having a, a better short run. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's saying is he says that obviously there are systems that come into place, like you mentioned, the, the new type of grass comes in. And so it is a good example. Um, but this new grass has no interest for the whole 
Basically, the mm-hmm. whole the whole system. It, it mm-hmm. really is its own system, and it says, "Oh wow, there's place for me everywhere. I'm just going <laughs> to grow and grow and absorb and move." Yeah. And so the grass's intention mm-hmm. might be everything is great for me, but mm-hmm. because it doesn't actually live, perhaps I'm not saying this is an example where it does, but mm-hmm. I've seen this in other examples mm-hmm. where something moves in sees how much stuff is everywhere for it. It grows as big as it can. And all of a sudden it chokes because the entire system changes, mm-hmm. can't keep up and dies because of the way that mm-hmm. it grew, mm-hmm. right? And and, and th- this this is, we yeah. know with bacterium, right? The bacteria can kill the coast yeah. not, and it kills itself by doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. It, so it, I, I actually think that what he says is very interesting because he's taking that idea from nature and now he's saying it's the same thing as uh, as a kingdom. Mm. It's the same thing as a company. It's mm-hmm. the same thing as a country. It's the same thing as a, an NGO. <laughs> These things will grow um, and will, it, you know, specifically from the point of view of a company, uh, a, 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 an internationally traded company, they're more interested in the success of their next couple quarters mm-hmm. than perhaps their a quarter that's 20 quarters away. Right. Yeah. And and and, and this is kind of one of those things where the short ter- the, the the decisions for their short term quarter may completely screw up their chances of ever having a good twentieth quarter. Well, there's no <laughs> such thing as a twentieth quarter, but in twenty quarters, mm-hmm. um, and that decision will be done because mm-hmm. the general idea is much like in nature, something else will present itself and we'll figure it out then. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also, as you said, you know, the intention of a plant or an animal. I I'm, I will always have that conversation also with other right. biologists, you know, it's like. But that's what he's getting at. Yeah, yeah. He's saying. Is there an intention? It, well, it, see, this is the funny thing is that uh, now you're getting into that idea of uh, anthropomorphism, right? Yeah. Is that um, he doesn't use the word intention. He says that in the short term, natural selection favors self propagating system. So he's saying that natural selection favors. Mm-hmm. He's not saying that the system has an intention. Mm-hmm. So what he's saying is that natural selection favors systems that pursue their own short-term advantages with little or no regards to the long-term consequences. Mm-hmm. That if a system chooses to um, be irresponsible in order to grow as big and strong as it can as quickly as possible, mm-hmm. unfortunately, uh what he's saying is he's saying that uh, that evolution tends to favor that until it burns itself out. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's always about who is best adapted to the current um, situation, right. to the current environment. There you go. And in the moment. And in the moment, it's not about what will be in, in 10 years. <laughs> That's how you see it. That, oh, there are always species, uh, you know, arising or species that kind of are dying out just because of that. Right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, next part, I actually even found here, I can bring this up and you guys can also <coughs> read a long screen. I just noticed that uh, in that alpha wiki thing that mm. uh, the preposition points are also here to be seen. So, um, while I read them, I'll bring it up and you guys, for the most part, I, I, I haven't read them all word for word. I think they are abbreviated from the version that I have. Uh, maybe not. We'll find out. Mm. So, preposition number three. All right. Self-propagating subsystems. Now we're getting into the idea of subsystems. Self-propagating subsystems of a given supersystem tend to become dependent on the supersystem and on the specific conditions that prevail within the supersystem. Now we're really getting into um, mm-hmm. the idea of smart home stupid people, right? We're saying that, and, and look, if we decide to make our lives into 
subsystems of a mm-hmm. super system, more mm-hmm. and more and more and more. Obviously, we become more and more dependent on a super system that uh, that controls and dictates catastrophic um, changes that could mm. occur in our life. And when something happens there, you know, uh, if you don't have a backup to be able to heat your ass in the wintertime, <laughs> uh, you're going to freeze when your main source mm. burns out. It's it's that simple. So right? for you, how would you then define the subsystem um, and the self-propagating system from a technical like a smart home point of view. Well, um, the this here's a good example of it. Uh, this is kind of what I was getting at before, before I was all sidetracked. But um, when you have a car, and your car has all these nice funky electronics built mm-hmm. into it, right? Today, ever since the the, the mid early '90s, I'd say mid '90s more, but um, cars have more and more computers mm-hmm. inside them, right? And they more and more require um bus systems to operate most people don't really realize that the mm. bus system that i install into buildings in order to control the lights and the blinds and the mm-hmm. heating and all these funky things all the the fans and and the valves and all that stuff it's a very very similar technology um in in an automobile we've actually had a, a friend of ours over many times um who is a, an advanced technician for um, Volkswagen in Wolfsburg. And he and I have had many geek talks together to really, <laughs> yeah, because he's actually very interested in my industry and mm-hmm. I'm interested I'm interested in his from a, a survival point of view, I'd say, mm-hmm. right? Because I find it to be very, I, it's one of the reasons I've always purchased older cars because I know I can get in mm-hmm. there with a screwdriver. And it's the same reason why many people will still buy a conventional lighting system as opposed to a bus lighting mm-hmm. system because they know that they can fix it with a screwdriver. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not wrong to think that way, right? But at the same time, if I had the tools at home, and I think that everybody should, I think that if you buy a car that requires a computer to fix it, then uh, then then the car should be sold with a computer kit. It's it, <laughs> Right? It's that simple, but True, it's just yeah. unfortunately not the way that the industry is pushing it. And it's not the way that people are learning about their technologies as the technologies are being released. Mm. There's no reason why I think, in my mind, you don't learn how to change the programming and fix some of the programming of your car mm. in high school. I, right? And this is one of these things where you bought it, it's yours. It doesn't mm-hmm. belong to anybody else. Mm-hmm. If you want to be able to go in there, I know people who learn some of these techniques and they have the ability to uh, get four times the gas mileage because they know what they're doing with the computer mm. system in the car that they're driving and they know how they want to use it. Most of the cars that you go out and purchase have preset, um, uh, you know, capabilities. Sometimes they have learning algorithms, um, meaning that uh, it, mo- it looks at the way that you drive to then mm. know how to be able to um, change the, the fuel to, to gasoline ratio and so on and so forth. Um, and, it's, and it's important to understand how these things work under the hood. Yeah. Back in the past, you had a physical choke on a motorcycle mm. that, uh, that was for allowing more air in to get it started. Nowadays, that's all digital. And most people, when you tell people, go and start the car and drive you know, slowly before giving it gas and going on the highway, most people don't realize that's because the, yeah, just because you don't have a choke in the car like you used to, Mm. it's still there, right? The car will, will, will increase when the motor is cold, the amount of oxygen that's coming in in order to push a good burn. And this is why when you see a car that has been freshly started, (coughs) you see more crap and dripping and all that stuff coming out of the exhaust pipe when it's, when it's running. Okay. So what, 
to answer your question very simply now is the bus system in a car is a bus system. The bus system in a house is a bus system. Mm-hmm. The bus system down at the, the the water waste management plant is a bus system. Every time those valves get opened and closed, there are computers in the background and there are bus systems that are triggering these activities saying that the, val- that the valve should open and close. Mm-hmm. The problem, the really, really big problem. And I think that if this is something that I can put together as one of the biggest issues that we have in our in our, in our modern society is that now it's all starting to become networked together mm. with uh, an umbrella system that is now becoming a super system and and, and a, an example of that would be you see this already happening in North America where the um, the smart monitors or what or or uh, what are they calling them? The ones that are you have a couple of them. One that's more for your um, air conditioning and and uh, heating, and one that's more for just the electricity. And it means that from a central source, um, someone can always just turn your system on and off, and can turn thousands of systems on and off at the same time. So now all of these thousands of homes that want to be able to use the air conditioning in the summer. Mm-hmm. cannot because a central source has determined, a super system has now determined mm-hmm. what they can and cannot do. So all of a sudden, what used to be a regular self-propagating system has become a subsystem of a larger super system. Maybe it's not the best uh, correlation, okay. but uh, there are there are many ways of looking at that without getting into... Um, well, I'd have to get into more technical jargon in order to really go deeper into it, I think. But mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a, a simple way of looking at it. Like... Um, you go out and buy Philips Hughes. A lot of people really enjoy these things. I despise them. I think they're shit light, and uh, I don't, uh, I don't like the idea of having to always have my light bulbs communicate over Wi-Fi. I think uh, hmm. to me, I just don't like it. If you okay. like it, go for it, um, right? And yep. and so they, so it's a, it's a very easy way to just have RGB dimming uh, in a light bulb without having to actually wire any of that up. And that means that in order for that light in uh, to 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 work originally in in the way that uh, like to control it it requires a network communication hmm. right so the network in that uh, in that sense is uh, is a super system that needs to exist for all the peripherals or for all the um devices sorry uh to be able to be turned on and off mm. so that's a really even better way to look at it a, a, a super system and a subsystem a super system is the bus system itself the subsystem is all the all the different little keypads on the wall doing their job okay so there we go that's uh, that was a long explanation so next time i say it's going to be a quick one i'm just not going to say it <laughs> um so what do you think uh, do you have anything left to say about subsystems before we go on to the next one no i think i'm good all right. Um, let's see where we're at. <clears throat> so, number four. I'm not gonna. You can. I can definitely see. Oh, it's all. It's also a little one over there. So that's good. This is my favorite one, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So, problems of transportation and communication impose a limit of on the size of the geographical region over which a self-propagating system can extend its operations. Mm-hmm. So that is really cool. Now, um, and I completely agree with this one. This is this is huge. Um, a system will only grow as large as its uh, transportation and infrastructure hmm. 
uh, or transportation and communication in, uh, infrastructure can allow it to grow. That's why we don't have huge insects anymore. <laughs> Is that so? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's talk about your burrows. My burrows? Bur burrows. The rabbit burrows. Oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, same. The, the rabbit burrows, as you've mentioned in the past, they um, <clears throat> they are a certain size in the city and they're a certain size in the country. Mm -hmm. Let's let, So it's interesting, in the country, why don't they grow bigger? Um, yeah, so there are a couple of explanations for that. that. But what we found in my research was that on the countryside that the burrow systems were actually huge, you know, that like up to 50 entrances and they covered a huge area and were really complex. And in the city, mm -hmm. we found mostly borough systems that had only like, you know, maybe 10 to 15 entrances, even less. And they were not so big in size. And we thought, yeah, maybe, you know, what was it first? It was first the egg and then the, the chicken. chicken or the other way around. <laughs> that in the city, maybe they started building smaller borough systems because they had not so much space. There were you know, streets, usually the, the boroughs were close, um, closely built to streets, mm -hmm. that these streets were limiting the construction area, actually. Mm -hmm. Or that the uh, rabbits, they just, you know, decided, oh, we'll, we'll just live in smaller groups in the city because we don't need uh, big groups. There are fewer predation or predators here. And also it's warmer in the city, so we don't need mm -hmm. to cuddle up um, in, in bigger groups. That's why they might even started to build smaller um, so, or the other way around, they first built small and then they had smaller bars, uh, smaller I, I, group sizes. I would look at it almost um, <clears throat> with, with my fresh eyes from a different point of view and say that maybe perhaps the system in the city is all one system. Yeah, um, at least some of the bar systems were absolutely uh, connected. We, we no, I, I'm not talking about the borough. I mean the network oh. of the rabbits. Think of it like this, uh, the, 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 the rabbits who live out in the countryside, yeah, mm -hmm. there's a big burrow. How much um, communication do the rabbits in these burrows have with the neighboring burrows? Mm. Very little. Yeah. In contrast, uh, this, in the inner city, from what I've seen with your research, you'll have 50 micro burrows, mm -hmm. but they're all in constant communication with one another. Yeah. And so the, the question bears, yeah, of course, their, their underground dwellings aren't as complex as the the, the the land dwellers but that's because it's not necessary that means that they're they've brought their burrow above ground meaning that mm. they're they're more like the hares they're just frolicking in the bushes and <laughs> so the the question now is is that could it also and this is maybe a reason why they all got wiped out so easily mm. because all you had to do was plant a little bomb somewhere and it affected all of them because of the amount of, inter, uh, and, and you saw in the genetic information and so on and so forth, that how much intermingling was going on um, mm. in the city. Uh, it, it To me, it sounds more like the city was one giant system as opposed to multiple systems. Yeah, well, at least within uh, one study site, that might be, you know, true. Yeah, in like, the big park or whatever. Yeah, in the big yeah. parks. Um, yeah, we always saw the males, you know, visiting the females in the different borough systems and <laughs> just saying hi. <laughs> Going from one hole to the next. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there we go. Um, yeah. Yeah, so as far as tech, so transportation and communication, the way that he implies, well, actually I'm going to go into part five because part five 
or Proposition 5 takes number four, but puts it now more into the world of papal. And then we'll okay. just kind of come right back to it. And I don't want to get too run. I don't want to go too crazy with this. Um, actually, the next couple parts really have a lot to do with this idea. Um, and I think that it's actually kind of a waste of time to read it all. Okay. Instead, I'm just going to kind of summarize it a little bit. And <clears throat> what he is really talking about is he's saying that <laughs> with the next couple parts as well is that um, transportation and communication, mm. they are a resource, mm-hmm. right? Um, and what I was asking you about with the boroughs um, specifically was that why don't the boroughs on the countryside get bigger? Why do why do they reach a certain point? Why mm-hmm. is it that uh, a wolf's den, you know, a, a group of wolves, why, uh, like a pack, you know, mm-hmm. why is that pack that big? Why, yeah. why don't we have... Packs, like, I mean, we've heard of things called super packs, but that's more like the packs come together for a, 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 um, a related task mm. and then they, they disperse. Um, but uh, the same thing with bears mm. and, and cats and all that. Their family sizes only get so big and their tribe size only yeah. gets so big. And my, my I guess my theory for the, the rabbits would be... Um, you have the alphas that are in charge of that whole burrow system. Mm. If the system got too big, the alphas wouldn't be able to manage it all. Yeah, absolutely. So I think right? this is And they'd just, start fighting themselves. Yeah, it's just mirroring, you know, the, the optimal size that has been established over like thousands of years, well, I guess. the rabbits don't have Skype. <laughs> so, they, they, you know, the, if there are a couple alphas that are, you know, doing everything in tandem, or you have the alpha and the beta, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're supposed to be go out and do their thing. Mm-hmm. He can't exactly video conference with them when they're, <laughs> you know, uh, 20 entrances away. Who knows what's going on? So, I mean, <laughs> from a, from, but but from my point of view, that, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense that the, mm. the burrows will, and, and in any part of nature, mm. these things only grow so big because if they grew any bigger, yep. um, they wouldn't have communication within their own system anymore. And yeah, it would yeah. fall apart. It's, it's like kind of an optimal system. And then I think, yeah, I talked about this in a couple other episodes, but the, the latrine system, the communication system of the rabbits, which is also very... Um, like a very intelligent system and they mm-hmm. adapt it each time when the group's size is changing, then they have more or less latrines for communication so they can really adapt their communication system mm-hmm. to the current situation. Right. So that's also kind of cool. Well, where he goes on further and further uh, into detail is yeah. that um, humans are a bit special <laughs> in the sense that the systems that we develop and not all of them, he says the problem with us uh, is that we tend to build systems that max out its communication and um, resource infrastructure, specifically transportation. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good way of looking at it is, is that not every human, as we mentioned before, where we have certain systems that decide to cha- to stay small because mm-hmm. it's comfortable. Right, it has everything it needs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to go out any further. Mm-hmm. Other systems, not so much. You know, you take something like the the Roman Empire, for example, that just wanted to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. Why? It's you know, it's uh, we we learn in school that the Roman Empire fell because of its own size. Mm-hmm. It just eventually didn't have uh, the 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 grasp that it had when it was smaller. Um, <clears throat> in today's world, I kind of look at it very differently. I say that uh, we still live in the Roman Empire, <laughs> right? But uh, that's uh, that we're just the next 
uh, evolution of the empire that fell. We're just, mm-hmm. we are that, right? Um, and it's one of these things where when you used to have um, a system where every, all the communication was done by foot, mm-hmm. obviously then you had uh, the size of your empire will be de- determined mm-hmm. by how far yeah. people can travel by foot and how at X amount of time. Yeah, yeah. Right? Sure. And then, you know, came the horse and then the, 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 the steam engine and all this stuff. <laughs> but now mm. what's very different and what he puts forth is really interesting because as he mentioned, he says that some systems, not all, some systems are just generally the ones that are created by man really interested in growing to its limit mm. Making a discovery so that it could then grow greater. Oh yeah, and that's and that's something that we've seen over and over again mm-hmm. with humans is we grow to the max potential, and then there's a technologically a technological war to get to that next level mm-hmm. to then become the the, the new dominant civilization, mm-hmm. right? And um, so when you start looking at it like that, and now we're we're getting a little bit not we're not going away from the animal kingdom too much. We're still a part of it. Mm-hmm. But we're now looking at the systems that we build. And what he's talking about specifically in the next step is the way our communication and transportation has changed over the last couple of decades. And so, i.e. airplanes. Yeah. And this is a big reason why he started bombing them. Uh, it was because <laughs> it's, what's, what happened. I mean, that's why it's called the Unabomber. He started uh, bombing universities and um, uh, air, air, airplane industries. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So he, uh, he he took down a couple airplanes. Um, well, it didn't, the airplanes fell out of this. They, when the explosions happened, um, they had to land and people got hurt and stuff like that. But uh, I don't think he successfully actually really blew a plane out of the air. I don't think that was his intention. Um, from what I gather, his intention was more to scare the crap out of the, the industry so that they'd stop flying. <laughs> to, well, <laughs> but yeah, which really sucks because we all, we all, we, you know, uh, uh, we, when we choose, to, when we, um, go through security now it's that much more intense Mm. so unfortunately i think that people like ted kaczynski in the end um provided a disservice with his methods because of the fact that the uh the (laughs) self-propagating system that in this case would be the airline industry just doubled down Mm. on security and doubled Mm. down on human control in order to reach its goal um so ted kaczynski may have just like every other system that he explains looked at his immediate success mm. in, 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 with, without regards for his long-term mm-hmm. success. And so I think that his life falls really well into the pattern that he has written down <laughs> as well. Yeah. So in this case, he may have felt really great for the, for the short term where um, he wasn't caught and uh, the airplanes weren't in the sky overhead. Mm. But eventually he had to, he's, been, he's been in prison now since the uh, 80s or 90s. Right. And uh, no chance of uh, bail. Hmm. So I think he's now in his 80s or 90s himself. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, The big part in the end that I think wraps it all together now is what he says is that he says that according to these laws of nature, which I've actually he doesn't call them laws of nature. I'm going to call them more laws of nature because I think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. I think that what he's describing uh, is a function of nature. And yep. it's something that you see in everything we create. And so when a human system is to be created that works within the laws of nature, whether that law of nature be brutal or not, it will function in accordance, right? Mm. And so the 
idea that now we have global communication, we have global transportation, very affordable, um, mm -hmm. very easy. He says the next step is that, unfortunately, when human um, participation in the global systems that are now arising, because this is what he's talking about. He says, before we had self-propagating systems that were localized, and now for the first time, they're global. And so he says that you're seeing this now. You're seeing a constant competition for global self-propagating systems. Mm. And the problem is, is that when these systems no longer require the resource of manpower because they become more and more automated, mm -hmm. they become more and more robotic, they become more and more uh, computerized, um, that the systems themselves phase out people but the systems grow stronger and continue mm. regardless. Yeah, yeah. So it becomes this monster that we created that inevitably cannot be taken apart. Yep. And that's the big reason, I think, one of the big reasons, you know, after reading his book, that's one of the big things that spoke to me is that he says, it's written in the laws of nature that the systems that we create, when they become too strong, yeah. will do one of two things. It will overthrow us. Um, in the sense that we will give up our power and sovereignty of our own lives and hand it over to a system that we create that we no longer have control over, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or it'll inevitably fail and we will constantly be fighting with ourselves in order to reestablish something more stable. Yeah. And a big part of the, 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 the sub um, system that I didn't talk about, but I know it's in, it's in the books. I've read it is that, um, the subsystems themselves are constantly co in competition to become the super system. Mm. And you see this mm -hmm. over and over and over again, that a super mm -hmm. system gets to its, and I had, I waited at this point to this point to talk about it because the super system way, you know, it, <clears throat> once it reaches its maximum potential with communication, if that technology for communication and transportation is now available to all the subsystems, the subsystems are going to go, oh, look at that. The mm. super system's not growing anymore. Mm. We have room to grow. Mm. And then they're going to start to uh, find little things that are wrong with the, and you see this in politics all the time, uh, minority governments overthrowing the, the majority mm -hmm. government all the time. It happens all at revolution. That's that's kind of what he's talking about from uh, from that point of view, right? Hmm. And you see that happening in the animal kingdom all the time too. You see yep. you see the, the monkey, uh, you know, the youngling comes along and is sick <laughs> and tired of who the alpha male is, yeah. you know? Uh, you see this in the beehive, two queens are born. Must mm -hmm. fight to the death, <laughs> right? And what happens there is that either um, they they both kill each other, and then um, um, they have to find a new queen or or or, or disperse, right? Mm -hmm. Or one queen wins, and that's the end of it. Yeah. So there we go. That was a, that was a mouthful. Uh, what's what's your <laughs> what's your final uh, feeling about our today's topic? I mean, it's it's a bit. I think it's a bit. Uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? These German words still enter my mind. <laughs> Gruselig. Uh, it's, Gruselig. It's, yeah, it's it's a little uh, gory, not gory, but um, yeah. Yeah, see, I don't remember the English mm. word anymore either. I don't even know if there is one. Um, it's it's disturbing. It's it, it's yeah. it's a bit disturbing in nature, but in all honesty, I think that uh, say what you want about Ted, I think the idea of the self-propagating system is is a very very fascinating idea, and I don't think it should yeah. be taken lightly. No, and I mean, you can see that, you know, that guy had a um, university education behind his back and is mathematician and all that. So I think it also um, 
yeah, it needs a kind of a certain mind to 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 get these ideas and to bring it together. Yep. So um, yeah, I mean, many things that I heard, you know, were not new to me, just in a different point of view. Yep. And I, I think he did a really good job of um, taking something <clears throat> that we all know exists, mm. but putting it putting it into a terminology. Yeah, also like a kind of a frame, right? So yeah, to 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 generalize it more, what's right. actually happening. Well, it's similar to that 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 book, um, the Celestine Prophecy. I think mm -hmm. that the Celestine Prophecy, uh, or it, like <clears throat> the Celestine Prophecy, did a really great job of of creating a vocabulary yeah. to something that we all know. And that's the idea of dramas and so on and so forth. Yeah, maybe right? we should talk about this actually also in one of our Yeah, episodes. I definitely think that'll be an upcoming <laughs> episode. Nice, nice book though. Yes. Yeah. So there's actually one part of this I, I wanted to find as well right okay. here. Uh, just, just for you, because talking about what we were just talking about a second ago, <clears throat> um, Ted Kaczynski having, you know, being a mathematician, the way that he writes is like this. He says, <laughs> if A and B are systems of any kind, self-propagating or not, and if A is a function of the component of B, then we will call A a subsystem of B. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm. the way he explains everything is mathematical in nature, mm -hmm. um, right? Um, and we will call B a super system of A, for example, in human hunting and gathering societies, nuclear families um, belong to bands and bands often are organized into tribes, nuclear families, bands, tribes are all self-propagating systems. So the way that he takes that idea of, of, of mathematics and applying it to the laws of nature, I think is actually a really, really good one. A lot of people talk about Ted Kaczynski being a freedom fighter, some people say he's a terrorist. Mm -hmm. You guys can decide that for yourself. <laughs> Today, we're just yeah. interested in self-propagating systems. <laughs> so you want to wrap it up with anything? I think you said some nice words here <laughs> at the end. Um, I can feel my concentration is kind of fading away. <laughs> All right. But uh, yeah. Good. Well, yeah. for you guys out there, actually, I haven't even checked the Telegram feed once. I'm going to do that now. Let's oh, okay. see how that goes. People are just waiting and... I know, I know. <laughs> I actually, um, I typically have it in front of me and I, I just didn't, I didn't there start Too it. many uh, monitors here to look at. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't start it. So there we go. There are no questions in Telegram today. Today was actually a very quiet day. I wonder what that's about. It's probably because we missed the last couple episodes. Well, we're also just humans, you know. That's how it is. Uh, <laughs> so once more before we sign off for today, for all of you guys out there, we are live on Rockfin Rumble Twitch DLive Telegram and audio version with Podbean. Hmm. Now, that means that uh, you can post questions in any one of these platforms. Telegram is actually becoming uh, really cool. I didn't, I didn't know that Telegram can do so much. Because it's not just about um, chatting like WhatsApp and so on and so forth. Okay. In Telegram, you can really create your own channels and um, you could post to them and have people follow and then you can create chats that are associated to them and you could live stream mm. shows like this to it. And uh, I think it's a fantastic platform for that reason. And it's not uh, it's not supervised in, a, in, in any formal sense, meaning that you can say whatever the hell you want in there and no one's going to get mad. And the people who can see your posts are people who choose to follow you. And if they don't like your posts, they can choose to not follow you. So if you guys choose to follow us, <laughs> it's Smart Home Stupid People yeah. channel, you'll find. And then uh, you'll also find the Smart Home Stupid chat 
And mm. with the Smart Home Stupid Chat, you'll be able to chat to us during the live show. Yep. Even between live shows, ask us questions and um, suggest, you know, show ideas, which we will take into consideration. So yeah. there we go. That's okay. that for that. This has been another great episode of Smart Home <laughs> Stupid People. My name is Eris Felmuth. I'm Marlene Siege. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know we kind of botched it's, the intro this uh, on the way in, but uh, I had to fix something. Yeah, it also just weird, you know, like saying my word, my my name in in German is just like. Well, you can't say it in English. It doesn't work. No, I know. <laughs> uh, in English, it would be Maddie Goat. Maddie Goat. <laughs> <laughs> right, and yeah. her brother Billy. <laughs> <laughs> so, that being said, everybody have a good uh, evening. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you on Wednesday. And uh, oh, look at that! We got we got a final little comment coming in here. You you got like the last the last bell. What does it say? I can't read it from here. Oh um, yeah, that the Falminetta was quiet because she was worrying about her friends. That is was in the eye of the storm out west, uh, out in East Canada. Hurricane Fiona. <laughs> Ooh, wow. Yeah, our cat's name is Fiona. Yeah, that's true. But she's also a hurricane. Well, yeah, I mean, I hope that your friend is safe and uh, all the best wishes out there. I miss hurricanes. <laughs> we don't get them over here. That's it, true. It, Germany is really like, uh, it, I hate to say it this way, but, um, well, I don't hate to say anything. It's, it's, it, I, I, it's such a stable climate over here. I'm just, it, 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 yeah. it's weird to me. You know, it took me years to get used to that and, and I still can't get used to it. Uh, they don't get these crazy spikes and blizzards and all the fun stuff. I don't know. Like, well, I don't think it's so much fun for, you know, yeah, <laughs> I, I, being a, in the eye of it. Once in a while it, uh, you know, it, it, yeah, like you, obviously I've, I haven't seen a tornado over here. No. Whereas I, I used to love uh, watching the sky go crimson and, and bubbly and, and watch the tornadoes touch in the distance and stuff like that. Yeah, in the distance. And sometimes it's a little bit less than in the distance. Well, you know? Still, we, we wish your friends all the best and hope that she's safe. There we go. That's what I wanted to say. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more, like I said, I, I miss winter. You know, yeah. Winter here is like just over like freezing and, 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 and gray. So, all right. Yes, I wish your friend also the best. <laughs> Just to put that out there, that I'm not uh, sweeping that under the rug. Okay. All righty, everybody. Have yourselves a lovely weekend, and I'll see you Wednesday for the next episode. Until then, take bye care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.